Sydney Cricket Ground podcast. We are all about the Ashes and seriously, just weeks away from Australia taking on England. Been plenty of drama, of course, in the Australian camp, losing their captain. But uh, they are still pretty strong favourites to win the series. And a guy that sort of had a fantastic series out here in 2006 and 2007, took the most wickets, took more than double any of the English bowlers, Stuart Clark joins me. How are you, Stuart? G'day, Timmy. I'm going good. Thank you. How are you? I'm good. Yeah, real good. How, how much are you looking forward to the Ashes? We've had a bit of a bludger of a year and a half, and uh, this is uh, something that us, you know, and you did it at the highest level. We didn't, most of us, but it's uh, such an exciting time. Yeah, you're, you're 100% right. It's been a bludger of a couple of years, but, uh, oh, look, the Ashes, it's the, uh, you hear a lot of people talk about it, but it's 100% great. It's the pinnacle of I think Australian cricket, uh, history, the tradition, um, those that have gone before you, and uh, you know you've only got to look at the crowds in in recent times when the when the when the matches have been here, they've been huge. Um, and look, they've, they've been a bit one-sided in Australia um, for the probably the last decade. But that said, England, uh, their their backs are against the wall. There's no question about that. But they'll bring a uh, they'll, they'll give it a red hot crack and. There's a lot of history, as I said, and pride in in both teams. Absolutely. And Australia goes in reasonably unsettled, and I don't think you can overplay what effect losing a captain in the manner in which we lost the captain has on a team. 100%. It's, we, are, we are by no means settled. You, you don't want to be changing your captain two, three weeks out. Um, you're right about the manner it all happened. Uh, I, that said, I think Pat uh, will do a will do a great job for for the Australian cricket team, and Smith and the other guys that are there to help him and support him will be um, there right uh, right by his side when he needs to be. But you know, not ideal preparation. But I suppose in the world we live in, what is ideal preparation? Because things are chopping and changing at the drop of a hat, and it's uh, it's just sort of become the norm, hasn't it? Do you think it'll be almost a co-captaincy because the fact that Pat Cummins is a fast bowler? Oh, to some extent. Look, Stevens obviously been captain before. Uh, he's got some very other, some other very experienced players in that team. Uh, the hard part for Pat is when you, you always feel like it's someone else's turn to bowl, or you're never quite sure to bowl or what to do. So from that point of view, uh, Stevens going to be by his side and needs to be by his side and saying, no, no, you need to keep going here. You know, you've only bowled five overs. You need to, you can get through a spell of six or seven or this is uh, this is the time for you to be bowling. So he'll he'll certainly have input in relation to Pat's own personal cricket, but uh, Pat will be in charge when they're on the field, and you know he's not bowling or Mitchell Stark's bowling, and uh, Stephen's there for adequate support. Jeff Lawson did it very successfully for New South Wales, didn't he? He was really good at it, mate, uh, and, and he really enjoyed it. Uh, I mean, I've got to say, the time I did it for New South Wales, which was about a year, I really enjoyed it as well. Uh, I know I was mentally and physically drained by the end of the whole thing because. You're sort of dealing with there's a lot of um, outside noise with selectors, and you know you deal with other people's problems and guys that are out of form or in form, and guys that are not getting picked or being dropped or, or whatever it may be. It's probably um, that's probably lesser in relation to the playing thing because there's so much support stuff with the Australian team. But certainly from a from a media point of view for Pat, it, it's probably it's fiftyfold um, what you get in domestic cricket. But certainly tiring. It can be done, but it, but it's hard work and. Pat's got a really relish the opportunity, which I think he'll do. Yeah, pretty level-headed kind of guy. What what about the SCG? What about the Sydney Cricket Ground and the magic of it? Well, it's it's got that history and tradition, hasn't it? You, you walk out on that ground, and even today, when I when I'm out and about uh, and I get a chance to be at the SCG, you, 
you, you go out to the middle of that ground and those those two beautiful old stands that are there, and then you've got the the modern facilities as well. But it, it was certainly a dream of mine to play a, a domestic game, or you know, even a grade game there, if I could, when I was a kid, um, and was lucky enough to do it uh, at all levels of cricket. But it, it's such a special place; it always will be a special place for me. And I think if you ask, you know, obviously the Melbournians are very much like the MCG, this this great coliseum, but. For a bit of a, a cricket nuffy like me, um, there's nothing better than the SCG. Do you remember? Can can you evoke those feelings of when you you first walked out there for, for New South Wales? Yeah, uh, it was against Tasmania. I think it was, and David Boone was in the other team, and this is a guy I'd watched, you know, um, listen to the Twelfth Man tapes and all that type mm. of stuff. And this guy I, I idolised, and I walked out onto the ground, and, and there he was, this little short fella. Um, and I think I think we might have we might have bowled first, and he, he didn't get in. And he hit his chewing gum. David Boone got out and he used to spit his chewing gum out and he used to hit it with his bat. And I, mm. I was running in from point and went zinging past my uh, my right ear at a million miles an hour. But more importantly, when I went out to bat, he was standing at short leg. And he was this guy I'd idolised. You know, played against the great West Indian teams and um, you know was just at the pinnacle of his – had been at the pinnacle and was coming towards the end. But I just looked over there and, and he was mumbling something under his big moustache. I don't know what he said to this day, but – um, it was almost like it was so surreal because I was out there batting um, and there was David Boone standing a, a metre and a half away from me uh, mumbling it. That's interesting. Did, did you Had you sort of resigned yourself that you may not play for Australia by the time you sort of got to your late, late 20s? Uh, because it was a it was a late call-up, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I think, yeah, that, that's exactly right. I, uh, I had resigned myself to the fact that it was, uh, it was probably never going to be. It's a dream that every kid, I think, has when they start out in, in any sport, whether it be cricket, football, whatever it may be. Um, but it got to that stage late in my career, and I, I, you know, I'd had 10 years or nine years of domestic cricket at that stage. So um, I was quite comfortable, and I think that probably worked in my favour in the sense that I didn't, uh, I didn't have any expectations or pressure, and it wasn't about getting out there and you know, doing getting more wickets and playing for Australia. It was just about going out and having fun with, um, my New South Wales teammates, and, and that probably helped. And that, you know, not, I suppose at the back of your mind, you always you know, harbour hope that maybe it will happen. But certainly it, it wasn't the, uh, it wasn't what I was thinking about when I was trying mm. to do better and better at domestic cricket. Well, I covered your career from the start of it. So I've got a pretty good memory of exactly how it all panned out. So it was pretty much 2005 when they called you into that Ashes squad because, you know, there was injury problems in and around Lee and McGrath, but they, they, they repaired themselves to play, of course, in those last two test matches. But that was, that was pretty much that first sort of invitation, so to speak. Without doubt, I was, uh, I was in England playing county cricket at, at Middlesex and uh, got a call that Glenn had tripped on the ball in that Edgbaston test um, and missed it and wasn't sure whether he was going to be ready for the Manchester test. And um, I was there and I'd got a few wickets, I think, from memory in, in, in county cricket. And one of the things I did do, and I think I look back, I wanted to be over there when the Ashes was on just in case something like this sort of happens and being in the right spot at the right time always helps because um, you don't need to fly people all the way around the country, around the world, I'm sorry. So um, from that point of view, it was, yeah, I was doing right and there was the call and you know, Glenn tripped on a ball and I you know, up the M1 in London and arrived in Manchester and there I am with the Australian cricket team and you know, walking in front, there's press everywhere and people taking photos and press conferences and um, all that. You don't get a lot of that in domestic cricket, but um, once you're with the Australian team and in an Ashes series because it is so big, um, it, it becomes very real very quickly. Yeah, well, it got real real quick not long after that because you're in South Africa tabooing for Australia and 
it couldn't have started in a better fashion. <laughs> yeah, it couldn't have. Uh, uh, I was I was actually talking about this to someone the other day. Um, you know, they were asking me what was your cap ceremony like and your presentation like when you when you got your baggy green and uh, it had rained basically for four days straight um, prior to the match and it was straight after the Johannesburg one day game where we got four thirty four and they knocked them off in about forty nine point four hours. We got four thirty five and. Um, so no one had seen the wicket. No one knew what was going on. Um, so I didn't get the big ceremony. And, you know, someone said, were you nervous the night before? I said, well, I didn't have any idea I was actually playing till about uh, 9.45 when someone actually had a chance to look at the wicket. Um, and Ricky walked over with Adam and, and said, you're in and you're playing. So from that point of view, I, I didn't get a chance to get nervous. But once we got out there, you know, we I think, I think South Africa won the toss and decided to bat. And there was a little bit of life in the wicket. And, uh, I was lucky enough to land a few on a length and, and they nicked him and we caught him. Yeah, and, and look, and that attitude, that sense of I'm going to grasp it with both hands and, and the little bit of a surprise element was the perfect cocktail because that tour went well for you. And then it wasn't long before we had an Ashes series back out here after the agony of 2005 in England. And 2006, 2007, uh, a lot of other matches, a lot of other people get the headlines, but you had a fantastic series, 27 wickets, and it just was a time where you were at your in your element. Oh, absolutely. And I think, yeah, you look at Fortune and all the rest of it, but I was probably the right, I was, you know, I was 30 years old. I was, I played a lot of domestic cricket, so knew what I could and couldn't do. Wasn't playing with any expectation around the sense of, you know, it was just every game you got a chance to play for Australia was a was another great chance to be out there and, and put on the baggy green. So well, it's funny when you go in with that sort of mentality that this is a game and it's fun, you, you actually play your best your best cricket. And, you know, they guys talk about being in form and out of form. And, and I think that's, you know, in hindsight, I look at that and think when you're playing with absolute freedom and there's not a care in the world, it's just a game, you get out there and, you know, you could be bowling at Bradman at the other end. It, it wouldn't matter because you are completely comfortable in your own skin and you mm. do what you do best. And whether that's, you know, Brett Lee bowl 150 kilometers an hour or do what I did bowl, you know, lots of balls you know, around about off stump there or thereabouts. Um, it, it's such a, it, it's such a great feeling. And, you know, it all culminated into one moment uh, and finished at the SCG with, you know, a, a huge five mil victory. Yeah, absolutely. And that Adelaide test was just phenomenal, wasn't it? I, I suppose, a life highlight. Oh, without doubt. And every one of those test matches were, was a highlight. Like Brisbane where, you know, we turned up and there was there was 40,000 people and, you know, they were all, you know, the two national anthems were like, you know, this cauldron where both, you know, the, the Barmy Army singing uh, God Save the Queen, the Australians returned serve with the Manchester Australia Fair and it just snowballed from Starmers and bowling the ball off the pitch, ball one. Yeah. Um, we go to Adelaide, as you mentioned, Tim, and you know, from being absolutely gone after day one and halfway through day two to this unbelievable victory where Shane Warne just bowls like you know Shane Warne um, win the Ashes in Perth with a with a huge victory. But you know what what proceeded from there was just this a wave of emotion. You know, Shane announces his retirement. We go to Melbourne. You know, he he gets his seven hundredth wicket. We we touch up. Um, England again, Andrew Simon's got 100 in that match as well. Um, and then we come to the SCG where they all, you know, Glenn decides he's going to retire. Justin says he's going to retire. Uh, and Warney's already announced he's going to retire. And, you know, yeah, for me personally, and, and I think I, you know this 
because we have spoken about it um, many times with you, but first chance my mum and dad got to chance to watch me play cricket at the SCG um, live for Australia. So um, it was a pretty special moment for me and my whole family in the sense that they'd never been part of, uh, they'd never actually come to a game before and got to see what happened. Uh, I got a few wickets, might have got a few runs as well, which was a rarity. I was about to talk about that. <laughs> which, yeah, uh, you know, I might have been man of the match. They should give an, an, an honorary award for every man of the match at the SCG. That's that's my recollection. Free tickets to every match from now till end of time. But, um, yeah, it was just a huge, huge moment for, for me and my family because um, mm. it all culminated at the SCG. And God rest his soul, your dad. But he obviously was, uh, you know, your biggest fan and he was always there at the games, whether you'd be playing for Sutherland or playing for New South Wales or Australia. Well, that was his opportunity to be there that day. Could you hear him in the stands? Because you always told me that you could hear him wherever you were generally. Uh, a bit hard when there's, when there's that many people. Yeah, I could actually I see them. Yeah. Um, mm. I could actually see them for the first time. Like The SCG, and what's one of the beauties of the ground is it's big, but it's also intimate. So if you roughly know where people are, um, and they were sitting, I think, in, oh, in wherever Cricket Australia had put parents and families, um, and you could look up and uh, along with uh, Michelle, my wife, and my little son, Lachlan, at that stage, it was only one, um, you could actually look up and and see them. So, yeah, whether I could hear. There's a couple of times I went out to bat and he was sitting in the members and he used to yell out, which used to make you used to be really odd when your father's yelling at you as you're about to walk out in a test match um, and he stands up when everyone's quiet and um, starts yelling out to you to play straight. That's uh, that's always a fun day. Play straight, Stuart. Yeah. Well, well what about those uh, what, 35 runs, 40-odd balls? It was – you must have thought there for a, a moment you were going to get a half century. Yeah. So the, the bit when – the bit to that, and, and you touched on it then when, with Dad, is I was uh, – you're sort of sitting in that outside uh, area, the viewing area of the SCG change rooms. Mm. And um, when a wicket falls, they, it's just deathly quiet in the in the members' stand. No one says anything, uh, and everyone just turns to see who's coming in, which is like it's not a surprise. It's up on the board. It's the way it's listed. Um, but everyone stops and looks. Anyways, I uh, so I think I can't remember who got out, but uh, you know, you, you're sort of really really nervous and geared up because Harmison, Flintoff, guys are bowling pretty quick, and you're a bit nervous and put your helmet on, put your gloves on, you stand up and you sort of try and focus and just get your, your mind in order to what's about mm. to uh, transpire. And everyone's looking up, it's deathly quiet. And my father stood up and said, Stuart. And I sort of turned and looked and, <laughs> and, he, and he said, play straight. And everyone started to laugh. The whole crowd started to laugh. But I just walked out with a big smile on my face. Um, and uh, and uh, halfway out to the week, I can remember just giggling to myself, that probably never happened to Alan Border or Don Bradman, but, uh, you know, is what it is and went out and swung like a rusty gate and got a few. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And w- what a wonderful, unique figure your dad was. And I had the opportunity, obviously, to interview your mum and dad when we did a story a number of years ago. Um, yeah, so, look, what, what great memories. What, what a great de- walk down memory lane. Look, your, your career finished in 2009 in an Ashes series and you did get that uh, wicket of Jonathan Trott. I think he'd had 119. That was his time in the sun. But they they managed to to get the win there because there was so much promise through that series, wasn't there, and, and so many sliding door moments where you guys could have won it. Yeah, look, it was, it was unfortunate in 2009 and disappointing all in the same breath. Uh, probably, you know, in hindsight, we should have won the first test. Monty Panesar and I think James Anderson hung out for about eight or nine overs and we, we couldn't get him out in Cardiff. Um, 
lost, I think, in Lords at Lords, Andrew Flintoff's final game, you know, destroyed us with the ball. Um, we went to uh, Headingley or somewhere like that. I can't remember. We went somewhere. We had a draw. Then we went to Headingley. We won up there, and there was this big geared-up um, test match at uh, the Oval to finish. And unfortunately, uh, didn't win the toss. Fairly dry and dusty old wicket. And mm. Didn't win the toss. And you know, Jonathan Trott, to his credit, batted really, really well. We couldn't get him out. Uh, in I think in both innings he got a few. And uh, unfortunately, um, look, we had a massive partnership. I think Mike Hussey, Ricky Ponting, there was a Flintoff ran him out or, or something like that. I can't remember. Mm. Um, yeah, it was. Uh, it's. I still got. I suppose I got to experience both sides of the, the Ashes Ledger, a, a, a huge win at home and a pretty disappointing and frustrating loss uh, over there in England. Upon reflection, because I hosted that series back here, so I watched it very closely. The decision to leave Stuart McGill out of that 2009, having played so much with him uh, at state level, and for Sutherland, were you a little bit bemused by that, or was just? Too much going on. Yeah, hard, hard to recall. I suppose uh, I, I, I remember not. Nathan Horitz was there and and bowled well at, at different times. He was injured, I think, for the last test, which was which left a, a big hole in our team. But yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, it, look, in hindsight, you look at that and you go, oh, McGill would have been, uh, you know, would have been a good option. But it's hard to really understand what the theory behind this other than we all know how good Stuart McGill was when, mm. uh, when he was on song and, you know, on that wicket in Adelaide, in, in, at the oval where it was really dusty from day one. Um, yeah. He would have been an absolute handful. Yeah. Yeah. Hindsight is twenty twenty vision though. And I, you know, I, I must acknowledge that. All right. So how do you think this test match will go in Sydney? Uh, look, they've, they've been pretty, uh, they've been pretty um, more of attrition type test matches in Sydney for the last few years. I, uh, it, it really depends, I think, on how the series has gone. If Australia mm. are well ahead, I think, you know, by the time you get to Sydney, I know it's not the last test, but it, it can become, uh, you know, you, you can become mentally fatigued um, as the touring team with the opposition team. So yeah. um, if Australia are well ahead, I, I think it's a, it's a pretty comfortable win to Australia. Um, if England are hanging in there and, and going okay, and, and a few of their, their guys have got some runs, um, and also they've got, you know, the fitness of, Anderson, Broad, and and Co. that have you know played a few Test matches, played all the Tests. I don't know, but but certainly uh, are firing and getting wickets and are in a good form and a good headspace. Then I think it's actually could could potentially be be closer. I think the biggest weakness for England and and this will play a big part at the SCG is um, their probably lack of spinning penetration. Mm. Um, Leach, uh, whilst you know is, does a does an adequate job. Doesn't have the the penetration of a uh, you know Nathan Lyon or, or player or you know Graham Swan. You know, he was really good when he came out. Yeah, absolutely, he, he was, wasn't he? And uh, that retirement was quite a, a shock when that happened. Well, we're we're back playing cricket this weekend. Your beloved Sydney Sixers, um, the Sydney Cricket Ground Sunday night. The weather looks good. Uh, I'll definitely be there. I'll take my young my eldest son. And uh, yeah, great to have uh, the season starting in this manner. I mean, it's been as I said right at the top. Uh, it's been a, a pretty ordinary couple of years for everybody um, and we've all dealt with it the best we can. Um, now it's time to get out there and play a bit of cricket. I, I think during the footy season, Tim, you, you know, it, it gave everyone some, um, yeah, whether it be AFL or, or rugby league, it just gave someone, everyone an opportunity to think about other things. And with the Ashes, the, the biggest um, test tournament there is, then uh, I think for this next five or six weeks, it's, it's just going to be cricket, cricket, cricket and 
plenty of talk and, and hopefully we've got a, an Australian win and the Ashes coming home or staying in Australia. Just days away from the first Test match, it's going to be a cracking series. Will Australia dominate and win 5-0 as Glenn McGrath always predicts or will it be a absolute war of attrition? Stuart Clark, thanks for joining us on the SCG podcast as we reflect and look forward to the Ashes. Good on you, Timmy. Thanks.